0: Facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
1: Wonderful Wednesday to you. Yeah, what a week. It's only halfway done. We're going to get you over the hump. It's March the 8th, 2023, and I'm so happy to be talking to you on The Kale Clark Show, 888 914. 9149 is the toll free studio line to call to talk to me for free on the relevant radio airwaves, the relevant radio app, relevantradio.com. However, you may be listening live, would love to have you call in toll free 888 914 9149. And you can also email me, kale, cale, at relevantradio.com. I've got a rather interesting email which I'm going to share with you later. I think you'll find it quite amusing. Uh, from a quote-unquote fan uh, I'll, I'll tell you about that later and you can also follow me on twitter at kale clark c-a-l-e clark with an e well guess what it is actually believe it or not and patrick alog we're kind of playing musical chairs here on the kale clark show team today i don't know who's gonna be hosting tomorrow but i can tell you that patrick alog is sitting in the production chair today uh is jim working the phones yeah there he is yeah i see him there he's working the phones. Fantastic. And guess what? It's International Women's Day. Can you believe that? And I think we have some special music for it as well. Maybe. There we go. There we go. Night playing, my fellow Canadian. There you go. Don't but I I can tell you this, I am I am certainly blessed among women. I can say that for sure because I've got my wife Trish, my daughter Michaela. Even our pets are are female. I've got two female dogs, Poppy and Cookie, and and I I, I'm very, very blessed and, and I'm sure that you are as well. And today we're gonna talk about some of the bad girls of the Bible, but it's gonna be a little bit different. A little bit different from what you think. I'm not gonna go down the the traditional Jezebelian root, not going to talk about her, but I am going to talk about how God used some potentially scandalous ladies to bring about his will. Some of them even got into the human ancestry of Jesus. How about that? Um, they got into his human DNA, and um, I want to ask you off the top, if you want to call in 888 who is your favorite woman saint, or who's your favorite female character in the Bible, and why? And, and you can't say Mary, uh, you can't say Our Lady, because she's everybody's favorite. The greatest saint of all in the Catholic Church is a woman. That's too easy. And I also want to ask you this question. Who was more formative in your faith? Hopefully they both were, but was it your mom or your dad? And the, re- the reason why I ask this question, 888 9149 is because... I had such a great experience when I, whenever I go to the Holy Land, I love taking people to, especially Magdala. I talk about bad girls of the Bible, the home of Mary Magdalene. She's wrongly slandered as being a a woman of the night, if you will. There is no evidence that she was actually involved in prostitution. Having said that, she often gets labeled with that. Jesus did cast seven demons out of her. I I mean, I don't know what was going on, but it was pretty bad. And when you go to Magdala, Biblical Magdala, which is a beautiful setting, it's right on the shores of Lake Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, which is basically just a gigantic lake. It's not really a sea. But there's a beautiful visitor center at Magdala. And if you've been there recently, you know what I'm talking about. And I was able to see it kind of grow from its very beginnings because I was there frequently for a few years. I was working on archaeological digs in Israel, and I got to travel and see the site, because they actually found, they unearthed the ancient first century town of Magdala, and they actually found the synagogue, the very synagogue where Jesus himself taught, where he probably met Mary Magdalene, maybe he even did the exorcism there in the synagogue, I don't know. But the original first century tile mosaic floor was there, the very floor that Jesus probably walked on. How about that? And when you go to other places like Capernaum, there is a, a synagogue in Capernaum, and that's the hometown of St. Peter. That was Jesus' home base uh, during his ministry. Uh, but the, the synagogue that's there now, it's actually a fourth century synagogue built on top of the original. You can see the original foundation on the side, this black basalt rock. It's like volcanic rock, it's everywhere in Israel. Uh, but they built a, a synagogue on top, and that's because of the, you have a tradition of building on top of the foundation. Build, you never want to throw away a holy site. You always want to build uh, something on top of it. And so that's why St. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, talks about building on a foundation. And that's often literally done when it comes to these these synagogues and, and holy sites. But in Magdala, we actually have the original first century town. And what basically happened was during the great war with Rome uh, that took place between 66 and 70 AD, the Romans were closing in on Magdala and the townspeople thought that the synagogue would be desecrated. And the best that they, they literally brought the house down. They, they knocked down their own synagogue in an attempt to prevent it from being defiled. And unfortunately, the Romans did ransack the place and many of the inhabitants of Magdala were either killed or sold into slavery. Uh, very tragic but the town has been unearthed and the synagogue has been unearthed and there's a beautiful visitor center and there's a wonderful chapel right on the sea of galilee and when you go inside the the altar and the ambo from which the word of god is preached and read they actually constructed a boat so when and and the, and the, there's glass behind behind it so when you're in the church and you're looking out towards the sea of galilee you can see the sea And the boat, the altar, looks like it's actually floating on the sea. It's really cool. It's a really, really great concept. And uh, if you get a chance to go there, you should for sure. Father Eamon Kelly is an Irish priest who's the director of the visitor center at Magdala. And every time I, I take a group there to the Holy Land, he always gives us a really wonderful talk. And in the vestibule of the church at Magdala that they built there, the visitor center there's actually images of very important women in salvation history frescoes that are painted on the ceiling and in the middle there's one of our lady but it's only of her hands it's really interesting it's it's the image of our lady of guadalupe and it's her praying hands that's all you see not her face nothing else just her hands and that's it's kind of a beautiful image and as father kelly explains he kind of gives this talk, and it leaves everybody in tears. It's a real tear jerk. I'm sure he's given this talk many, many times, but it's really beautiful. And he basically asks everybody in the group, who taught you your prayers? Who taught you your bedtime prayers, your, your first, your, our Father saying the Hail Mary, the Glory Be? Who taught you? Almost everybody says it's their mom. It's their mom. And so he talks about the importance of Women in God's plan, in in our lives, in the biblical story, in salvation history. And it's just a great, great presentation. And maybe you can identify with that. Was your mom more formative in your faith formation when you were young, or maybe it was your dad? I don't know. Every family is a little bit different, and hopefully, it's complementary roles. But unfortunately, there is sin and brokenness in the world, and and maybe some of you didn't have that other parent figure in, in your life, and. And whoever was there, your mom or your dad, did did the best that they could. But I think for a lot of us, I know it's certainly true in my case, my my mom was the one who taught me my prayers at the foot of my bed, you know, before I went to bed, my bedtime prayers. And I have great memories of that. I actually do remember that, my mom teaching me my prayers, and I need to keep praying and <laughs> get better at it. And so when we look at the, the Bible, we find a lot of really interesting women in salvation history. And one of the more unique places that we find uh, these ladies is actually in the genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And I invite you to call in. Tell me, who are your favorite uh, ladies in salvation history, the most inspiring women in the Bible that you know, or maybe your favorite woman saint? And uh, everyone would say Mary, but you can't use Mary. <laughs> it's too easy. So you can call in 888 914 9149 as your calling we are gonna get your calls in, in just a moment but I want to actually show you a part of the Bible that a lot of people think is really boring maybe not worth reading they kind of skip over it their eyes glaze over when it comes up at mass it's the genealogy of Jesus I dream of genealogy remember I dream of genie. I dream of genealogy I don't think so It was one of Scott Hans puns I had to steal that one and in Matthew chapter 1 we have the genealogy of Jesus now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a little bit like reading a phone book. If you remember those things, we don't have them anymore. But the old white pages with everybody's names and phone numbers, anything, what is going on here? Okay, hey, there you go. Quick on the draw. Patrick A.L.O.G. I have dream of genius. Barbara Eden, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. How about that? All right, so let's get back to the genealogy of the Messiah. I'm just going to read the first few verses of, of Matthew's Gospel. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And of course, Abraham, the father of us all, and our father in faith, the father of the Jewish people. Also, David, the great king, King David, he wasn't the first king, but he was, of course, the king. Next verse, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon and Solomon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Okay, now I'll stop there. And I always feel bad for the unsuspecting at mass who maybe hasn't practiced the reading, and when it gets into Jehoshaphat and Jotham and Manasseh and Jeconia and Zerubbabel and all these names... You can kind of tell who did their homework, but <laughs> having said that, this is definitely the book of the genealogy of Jesus, and it's it's interesting because in, in the Greek text, it actually says the Genesis, the Genesis, and there's a Hebrew word for this in, in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 5, we did a whole series on Genesis on the Faith Explained program. In Genesis chapter 5, it talks about all of the genealogy of Adam, all the descendants of Adam. And it says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And the Hebrew word is actually Toledot, Toledot. But in the Greek Old Testament, and yeah, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but there's a Greek version of it. It's called the Septuagint. And sometimes you see the letters, if you're reading anything about the Bible, you might have seen the, the letters LXX, capital letters. It's the Roman numerals for 70. And one day... There's going to be a Super Bowl 70, LXX. And so what does that mean? Well, there's there's allegedly 70 translators, mythically. I, I don't know if it's actually real or not, but 70 translators allegedly translated the Old Testament from Hebrew to Greek. And in the Greek version of the Old Testament, it actually says Genesis, the Genesis, the generations. And that's the word that Matthew uses when it talks about Jesus and his ancestors. So, what's Matthew really trying to say? He's trying to say that look, Jesus is a new Adam, and he's going to succeed in every way that the first Adam failed. So, it's really intriguing. He's going to be tempted, just like Adam was tempted, but he's going to resist. He's going to resist the enemy all the way through. So, it's. I'm going to just leave that there for for a second, but I want to talk about these really interesting women that are mentioned in the genealogy, because obviously Matthew uh, is Jewish, he's trying to reach his fellow Jews, try to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah, it's a really Jewish gospel, and Gentiles can get a lot out of it it as well, but it's interesting that he mentions certain things in this genealogy. The first thing he says, before I get into the ladies, he, he mentions that Jesus is not only the son of David, he says he's the son of Abraham. So that, that's important, because if you're a son of Abraham or a daughter of Abraham, that means that you, you, you're in good shape with God, if you're, if you're a faithful son of Abraham or a daughter of Abraham. And when John the Baptist, if you read on in Matthew's Gospel, and he starts preaching this baptism of repentance, and he's the forerunner of Jesus the Messiah, some people come up to him and they say, well, we have Abraham as our father. And he says, don't say that to yourself, that we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, God could raise up children for Abraham out of these stones here. You can't ride on your coattails. You can't ride on your reputation. You've got to actually live your faith. You've got to actually become obedient to God. You've got to repent. It's not a free ticket into heaven. Just And a lot of Catholics say this as well. They think, well, I'm Catholic. I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I was baptized Catholic. I was confirmed. I've got a free ticket. no. <laughs> What, what is going on in your life right now? Are you in a state of grace right now? It's like being a, a radio show host. I'm only as good as my last program because it kind of disappears into the ether. And then you have to start all over again. And, and every day in our relationship, we have to start over again with God. Tom Brady once said, when he was back when he was the quarterback, and there's rumors that Tom Brady might come back again and play for the Dolphins. I don't know if that's true or not, but he might unretire again. But back when he was with the Patriots... He was interviewed for a documentary, and he basically said, look, I may have won a number of Super Bowls, and at the time I think he had six, he has seven now, but my teammates really don't care what I did in the past. They don't care that I won six Super Bowls at the time. They need me to do it now. In the game that we're playing today, they need me to come through for them now. You can't ride on your reputation, and you can't ride on the past in your spiritual life as well. you got to leave it to God's mercy and whatever good that you did. God will keep that in mind, of course, but we've got to get back on the horse and we've got to understand that today is the day of salvation, as Jesus says. But at any rate, children of Abraham, Jesus talks to the woman who had the the bent-over woman, the curved spine in Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 16. He says that this woman is a daughter of Abraham and she deserves to be healed. And I'm going to heal her, no matter whether it's the Sabbath or not. It doesn't matter. Uh The rich man and Lazarus in the parable, right? He cries out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Zacchaeus, he says, look, Zacchaeus may have ripped some people off, but he's repented as a tax collector. He's going to pay the money back. And he also is a son of Abraham. Salvation has come to his house. But so there's all that feature as well at the beginning. But I really want to talk about how Matthew, he kind of breaks the pattern a little bit by by mentioning these women. He inserts these women into the genealogy of Jesus. And I think he's doing it for a reason. He talks about three in particular. He talks about Tamar, he talks about Rahab, and he talks about Ruth. Why does he do this? Well, these are very, very surprising people to be ancestors of the Messiah. Now, we, talk, we did talk about this when we did Genesis on The Faith Explained. Tamar, it's kind of a sordid tale, but she actually had children Uh, And and the father of these children was actually her father-in-law, Judah. He was tricked. There's a whole story behind this. You can see this in Genesis chapter 38. It's one of the more sordid tales of the Bible. Rahab, of course, was a harlot. She was a harlot. Now, unlike Mary Magdalene, she actually was. Rahab was a harlot. Now, she hid the spies. You can see this in in the book of Joshua. And she actually became the mother of... Of this guy named Boaz now Boaz is mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus now Boaz marries a woman named Ruth who is not an Israelite she's a Moabite she she marries Boaz and she becomes a worshiper of the one true and living God my people will be your people my God will be your God you remember all that so Ruth and Boaz uh, have a child Boaz they become the the mother the mother and father of Obed now, that's that's important. Bathsheba is the last woman I want to mention here. Now, she's not mentioned by name in Matthew's genealogy, but she is mentioned as the wife of Uriah. So, Obed was the son of Ruth, and then Obed became the father of Jesse, Jesse became the father of David, and David became the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Now, that was, of course, Bathsheba. And you know, the, again, another sordid tale. The Bible does not shy away from mentioning the sinfulness of humanity. Her name was originally Sheba, but when he saw her taking a bath, she became known as Bathsheba after that. A- anyways, uh, David uh, illicitly summons her, uh, lies with her in the biblical sense. They have a child, and that, of course, it's a long story. They have, And then they have Solomon, but... The point of it all is that she's actually the wife of this guy, Uriah, who is one of David's top generals, very loyal to him. And David wants to cover up his crime. He eventually has Uriah murdered. He sends him to the front of the fight in the battlefield where the front lines and he gets cut down and he thinks his problems are all over. Well, that's not the case. But anyways, you'll have to look into the Old Testament for that. That's another show for another day. But you see here that Bathsheba is mentioned. So in all of these cases, with all of these women, God acts in a very, very extraordinary way, in a very unexpected way. And that's also true when it comes to Mary, the mother of Jesus. But we'll get there when we get there. Got to take a quick break right now on The Kale Clark Show. And as you're calling in, tell me who your favorite woman saint is. Here is a very, very important Lenten lesson from our own Father Rocky.
2: So you can explain
0: it to others it's the Kale clark show on relevant radio and the relevant radio
1: app hey, welcome back to the program triple eight nine one four nine one four nine is the number to call to reach me on the Kale clark show and join me on air triple eight nine one four nine one four nine i was asking you guys who is your favorite woman saint of all time or maybe your favorite female biblical personage let me know. Can't be Mary. That's too easy. It's got to be somebody else. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. 9149 And Patrick, my believe it or not, my call screen just went down, but I think it was Jim in front, Royal Virginia, who was on the line, right? If memory serves. Okay, let's go yeah. to Jim. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Good, Cale. How you doing? I am well, sir. You Thanks for calling. It's, it's, yeah, I sure can. Thanks for calling in. It's great to hear your voice again.
3: Yes, sir. So um, in the past calls, I've, I've mentioned that I'm uh, Eastern Byzantine Catholic. So we're mm-hmm. in union with Rome. Yep. Uh, we can go to uh, a Latin Rite church, and Latin church members can come to our church, and we can receive communion and go to confession and do all that good stuff. So uh, in, the, in the Byzantine church, uh, as well as in the Orthodox church, because they have a lot of similar uh, uh, practices, the mm-hmm. fifth Sunday of Lent, is dedicated to Saint Mary of Egypt.
1: Mm, now, Saint Mary of Egypt.
3: Saint, yeah, you should look her up. She's a fascinating character. Um, late fourth, early fifth century, I believe. Uh, at a very young age, she uh, became a uh, professional lady, shall we say. <laughs>
1: yeah, we talked, uh, we, we talked about a couple of those <laughs> earlier in the program, yes yes uh
3: very young and and she lived this life uh until her early teens and uh uh, one day it was the uh, feast it was leading up to the feast of the exaltation of the cross and there was a huge pilgrimage uh headed to i think jerusalem she uh she managed to gain passage on a on a boat and paid her ways uh, with the services that she knew Mm. Shall we say, and um, mm-hmm. which doesn't say much for the men, I should say, going mm. to this pilgrimage. Absolutely. So there she, there she is, uh, trying to enter into the church of the Holy Sepulchre, and this mm. invisible barrier prevents mm. her from crossing the threshold. Three times she tried, and she could not get across. Finally, she looked up, and above the entrance, she saw. Uh, the icon of the Blessed Theotokos, the Mother of God, mm. and in her heart she knew why she could not enter; she was not worthy, and so she she repented for her life of sin, and and uh, and immediately the crowd parted away, and she was able to enter. Wow! Well, following that, she uh, she went to confession and received communion. And then went off to the desert. Now, this is a 17-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. She became known as one one of the desert mothers. We've heard of the Desert Fathers. She was a desert mother and lived her life in the desert. Um, uh, I'll just add this long story. I won't give you a whole detail, but I'll just leave it with this. Uh, Later in the story, we are introduced to uh, St. Zosimos, who was a monk who lived on the edge of the desert. And uh, would eventually give her her final communion and bury her uh, with the help of a lion that the Lord sent to huh. dig a hole, to dig a grave. So it's a fascinating story. Sure uh, is. She is uh, we love her because of her repentance, even against mm-hmm. the, the, the passions of the flesh. Absolutely. And uh, which is what we we wish to tame during Lent, right? Yeah, so I, 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 I agree go. with
1: that, Jim. Yeah, I appreciate that in St. Mary of Egypt. What a great saint for our time. Uh, that is so, uh, obviously, inundated with immorality, and, and to be able to repent and turn from that and be sanctified. There, there's hope for each one of us, and that, that's a great, great saint to mention. Thank you so much. That was Jim in Front Royal, Virginia. Really great call. And you can call in, too, with your favorite Lady Saint, Triple Eight Nine One Four Nine One Four Nine. 9149 Just want to get back to what I was saying about the four women, the four intriguing women that are mentioned other than Mary in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel in the first chapter. Talking about Tamar, talking about Rahab, uh, talking about the wife of Uriah, that's Bathsheba, and of course Ruth as well. But... It had some interesting, interesting backgrounds, and and in, let's face it, just rank sinfulness. In the case of Tamar and also Rahab, all of these women are at some level not in a good situation, not in a good situation because of the way that they've lived. And, and in Ruth's case, it's not her fault, but all four of these women are able to get in a good place because. There are men who accept responsibility for them, who take care of them, who draw them under protection and allow them to to have a legitimate existence among the people of God. Judah, the father-in-law of Tamar, he admits what he did. He admits he was wrong. Rahab was vindicated by Joshua. And and later on in the New Testament, in the book of James, James in chapter 2, verse 25, he actually uses Rahab as an example of Faith uh, acting out in works. Faith without works is dead. And, and Rahab is actually a great example of her faith and works working together, uh, protecting the spies. And then Ruth, of course, the, the Moabites, if you will, she believes in the God of Israel. She believes in his people, and she is redeemed by this guy named Boaz, who's this kinsman redeemer. And, and in, in that sense, he's kind of like a type of Jesus Christ who redeems us from the evil one. And when you redeem someone pay a price to free that person whether from prison or whatever the case may be a bride price as it were and so Jesus redeems us of course uh, with his precious blood uh, in his passion and then of course Bathsheba it's all David's fault of course but Bathsheba later on plays a very very important role in the kingdom because she is Solomon's mother and she becomes the queen in Israel. She's the queen mother. Solomon, of course, wasn't that faithful to God, as we know in certain ways. A lot of wives, a lot of concubines. Who's going to fight it out to be queen? Uh, they're not going to have a mud wrestling tournament. It's the queen mother. So she supersedes them all, and people come to her. They come to Bathsheba with requests for the king, very much like the intercession of Mary in the New Testament. And so I think it's a brilliant, brilliant uh point that and in fact that's what's going on in in the gospel when the magi come to see Jesus and he's you know maybe about 2 years old at this point and he's sitting on his mother's lap and she is the seat of wisdom of course because wisdom incarnate Christ is right there and so they it's very much like uh Bathsheba enthroned next to King Solomon so how about that so that's that's the context that Matthew places these women in and that's why It's really interesting. It was When he talks about Mary, there's also some question about Mary. Not that she did anything wrong, of course, but Mary was very vulnerable to accusation. Even at some level, you could say her life was in danger because of the fact that she was pregnant, not yet married, not yet, of course, betrothed to Joseph. But before they came together, the child is obviously not his. That's a dangerous situation for Mary. And she was protected as well by a righteous man, by Joseph, just as these other ladies were protected uh, in the past, in the old covenant time. But there there are a lot of other great and special women in salvation history. And I'd love to hear who your favorites are. Let's go to the phones right now. Let's go to Teresa, who is calling from—oh, she just hung up, Teresa, just a moment too soon. All right, let's go to Barbara. You can call back, Teresa. Uh, 888-914-9149. Let's go to Barbara in Passaic, New Jersey. Hi, Barbara.
4: Yeah, hi. Um, one of my favorite female saints, or I should say my favorite, is St. Scholastica, the twin sister of St. Benedict. Right. Um, yeah, they were both raised by wealthy parents. Of course, they were twins. And they both established you know, religious communities within a couple of miles of each other. Mm. And it, once a year... They would get together at a farmhouse to talk and, you know, discuss holy things, spiritual mm-hmm. matters. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last time it happened, St. Scholastica sensed that she was going to die soon, and she didn't want St. Benedict, her twin brother, to leave. But he said he had to, because it was against the rule, his rule, <laughs> to, you know, be leaving his monastery overnight. Mm-hmm. So she went and prayed, and it was a humongous storm and he had to stay, and you know. Then he left that next day, and three days later, he had a dream where she passed, you know, and she had passed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I think
1: he saw her soul ascend into heaven, or something yes. like that, in the vision. Yeah, yes.
4: yeah. It, but it, she, 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 established, you know, the uh, the nuns, the Benedictine nuns. Yeah,
1: that, that's a great story. In fact, I it was her feast day just a few days ago. In fact. Uh, uh, when I went to mass that day, uh, that was mm-hmm. the story that the, the priest told in, in the homily about about them. Oh, and that. I really didn't
4: a, even know that.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great great account. Uh, this you know praying for the storm to arise, and it's interesting, Barbara, yeah. that you mentioned that because people have told me that Saint Barbara is mm-hmm. the patron saint of weather. Uh, Santa Barbara, did you know that?
4: Never heard of that one. No, no.
1: Well, I, I, I heard this from a priest friend of mine, and uh, every time I. I want to play golf and it's going to rain. I've tried the intersection of St. Barbara and it just keeps raining. So I don't know. Maybe that's All not right. the case. I don't know. It's never worked, Barbara. <laughs> I'll keep trying, but St. Barbara yeah. has not come through yeah. for me. Or she's saying don't play golf so much. I don't know, but I don't mm. play that much. Yeah. But but hey, Barbara, I appreciate the call mm-hmm. so much, and hey. I hope you're having a very happy and holy Lent. Yeah. Call back any time.
4: Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye.
1: God bless you. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine eight 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 nine one four Nine one four nine. Yeah, producer Jim just said, yeah. Aura at labora, prayer and work, the rule of Saint Benedict. Yeah, we have got to incorporate that incorporate that into our own lives, of course, every day as well. You're listening to the kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Let's go to Teresa in Mission, Texas. Hi, Teresa. You're back. You called back. I'm glad you got through.
2: <laughs> yes, yes. I got disconnected, but I I finally got through.
1: Well, I'm glad uh, well, you didn't give I up. I
0: wanted- I wanted to say, uh, Mother Teresa was
4: one of my favorite. Uh, mm. I, I actually got to uh, live. I was born in seventy six, so I got to live a lot of,
0: you know, or see a lot of uh, the the amazing work that she did for the poor and for humanity, and you know, she she mm-hmm. helped a lot of people out, and and it, it's and I'm lucky to have her name too, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, with it with a name like Teresa, she's got to be one of your favorite saints. There's there's a, there are a lot of great Teresas in in the church, of course. There's Saint Teresa of Avila, Saint Therese of Lisieux, mm-hmm. the Little Flower, and of course Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and uh, Saint Mother Teresa, of course. And and yeah, obviously she is just such a, a quintessential saint for the 20th century, and she impacted so many lives. And I always love those pictures of her. With Saint John Paul II, when they when they would see each other, and just a couple of saints hanging out, uh, and hopefully that's the case for all of us. But uh, but I, I just love that, and uh, what what a great example she was, of course, in so many ways, and just the pro life cause, uh, just the uniqueness of, of every human soul and their value in the, in the eyes of God, even if they're thrown away. And Pope Francis has always talked about the throwaway culture in which we live. How true is that? Uh, but the eternal value of each and every human person—it's so important—and she was such a great advocate of that. So, Teresa, thank you. God bless you in Mission, Texas. Thank you for calling in and call back at Thank any you time. so much. God bless you. Okay, thank will you. We'll do. God bless you. Bye bye. All right. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Kale Clark show on Relevant Radio. Let's go to Dan in Bettendorf, Iowa. Hi, Dan. Hi, Cale. Um, a
3: saint that I really look up to is Saint Monica. Um, I think mm-hmm. all of us have family members and friends that we are praying um, unceasingly to come back into the church, and what a wonderful example of how God can answer that prayer and not only bring them back into the church, but accomplish really extraordinary things uh, through um, in the example of Monica and her son, of Saint Augustine.
1: Yeah. Now, Dan, in your life, have you? Uh relied on her intercession for certain situations. And I don't know if you, anything you can mention on the radio, but have you seen this happen in other people's lives around you?
3: Um, In those around me, yes. And my oldest child is seven. So thankfully um, has not strayed hmm. away yet, but definitely something to continue praying for that, that my kids stay within the church as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Amen to that. And, and thank you for mentioning that, Dan. Yeah, St. Monica, of course, the saintly mother of St. Augustine, <laughs> And it's pretty amazing. All three of them became canonized saints. Uh, Monica, Augustine, of course, became a doctor of the church. And St. Ambrose, who was the pastor of the, the church that they all attended, if you will. And uh, Bishop Ambrose of Milan, of course, he became a, a doctor of the church as well. So all three of them canonized saints. And, of course, we all have heard the story, the famous advice that Ambrose gave Monica hey, you need to talk to God about your son, Augustine, about three times as much as you're talking to Augustine about God. He'd kind of tuned her out, and sometimes that happens. I, I, we've all done it as young people. We've tuned out our parents, our elders at times, and sometimes we need to pray for somebody else to come into their life. And that's exactly what happened. Monica prayed for Augustine, and then Ambrose came into his life, and he really listened to Ambrose. He really respected him. And that's really what him going, I think, intellectually back towards the Catholic faith, so it's a it's a great story, of course, and we all have loved ones who've strayed away, but they can return, they can return, and Saint Monica can be a great, great help uh, on that front. You're listening to the K.O. Clark show on relevant radio triple eight nine one four nine one four nine It's International Women's Day, asking who are your favorite female saints? Let's go to Claire in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Hi, Claire hi. Hey, welcome back!
2: Thank you. My favorite saint—I um, of course love Saint Therese, but I—I I think I actually love her mother even more, Saint Zelig Martin. Oh, her mother! Um, wow. Of course, yeah. She and she and her husband were both um, canonized saints. I think they're one of the only married couples um, that both became mm-hmm. saints. But I—I um, I just love her because she's very relatable and she um, was a little bit snarky, which I love. Um, I oh, love. Yeah? The, Saints are very are very real people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can actually read her letters, um, which are, are awesome if you can get a hold of those. You,
1: um, can, you, she's, can you, she's can you think great. of any can you think of any examples of that snarkiness? Does any any story stand out in your mind, Claire?
2: Well, there's a quote, I think it was um, she said something along the lines of I I should have been a saint, you know, I could have been a saint earlier, but um, it takes oh, what did she say? It's something about chopping wood that she it's like chopping wood that uh, you can do a little bit by little or something like that. Mm. I can't remember the exact quote, Mm. but she's, she's just got a little bit of a, uh, in her letters too. She's, she's kind of a little bit snarky with her sister-in-law that she writes and, (laughs) you know, says things about her daughter. She's got one of her daughters, like I think one of her other daughters, other than St. Therese is a Canaanite saint too, or or a servant of God. Um, But they're, we're very holy as well. And it's just a great family. I love them. (laughs)
1: Okay, we actually believe it or not, we actually have the quote. Uh, our producer Patrick Alog has actually found the quote. So, can you can you read it to us, Patrick? Yes, uh, Kale. It says here, "I want to become a saint. It will not be easy at all. I have a lot of wood to chop, and it is as hard as stone. I should have mm. started yep, sooner it. <laughs> while it was not so difficult. But in any case, better late than never." Yeah, I love it. Better late than never. I like that absolutely, (laughs) and and that's it. We have to start today, like we were talking about earlier. Can't ride in our coattails or what we did in the past. Nor can we despair and say, "Oh, I'm out of God's reach." No, He He can use any one of us at any time. And hey, Claire, thank you for mentioning that because that's kind of a unique take. And uh, the parents of Saint Therese, and I love that. I love that they're canonized saints, and and we need more of that in the church. We need more examples in every vocation for a long long time. For a long long time, of course. Uh, the only people that seemed to get canonized were priests, nuns, religious. Uh, but thankfully, that changed a lot, especially during the pontificate of John Paul II. And and people just need
2: Amen.
1: to understand that there are saints among us. Hopefully, we're all living saints, but but those examples of encouragement are really, really important. So thanks for that call. I really appreciate that, Claire. Call of back course. any time. All right, let's go to kind of... A, Okay, we got to take a break right now. Thank you, Patrick, for mentioning that. But we'll be right back with your phone calls and much more. 888 914 Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio.
0: This is the Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life.
1: Welcome back to the program, 888-914-9149 is the number to call, 888-914-9149. You can also email the program. It's great to hear from you. The address is kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com, and you can find me on Twitter, too, at kaleclark. Well, speaking of email, I actually got an email that was sent to the Patrick Madrid Show. So the show team over there was kind enough to... Forward this to me, and uh, it comes from a listener named KP who's listening in Los Angeles on 9 30 a.m. KHJ. And the topic of the email now, the reason why this was forwarded to me from Patrick's show team is the uh, the title of this uh, the subject of the line of the email was Managing Saliva on Air. Managing Saliva on Air. Okay, well, let's see what this is about. I'm just going to manage my saliva for a second here. I'm just going to have a little little drink here, but apparently I shouldn't be doing this. So anyways, here's what it says. Uh, This listener, KP in Los Angeles says, yep, thanks. That's not me. That's, that's, that's Patrick A. Log with the sound effects. He's got a bag of tricks back there. The relevant radio app has literally turned around my waning hope for the Catholic church. Uh, This is a KP writing in Los Angeles. Uh, Thanks to you, Patrick, and and Cyrus, that Cyrus, of course, is Patrick's producer, I no longer feel intimidated when folks attempt to challenge my Catholic faith, and I now have much hope. Your show is my healthy podcast addiction. However, after downloading the relevant radio app, I quickly noticed that certain hosts gather huge quantities of saliva in their mouth live on air and loudly swallow the juicy mouthful for all to hear. I won't mention any names but Cale Clark and Father Matthew Spencer come to mind. I I I love that. Okay, this is me talking now. I'm not going to mention any names, but Cale Clark and Father Matthew Spencer. Father Matthew, if you're out there somewhere uh, listening in relevant radio land, apparently we are guilty as charged. Anyways, let's get back to KP's email. Quote, I would like to suggest the cough button for this rather personal bodily function. I have never heard or have never seen... One radio or television host loudly swallow on air a big gulp of saliva in the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s, the 2000s, the 2010s. But now in recent years, I notice it seems to be a quote unquote trend on many platforms with many hosts loudly managing their saliva live on air. End of quote. Okay, so you got me, KP. I, I was trying to be hip. I was trying to be cool. I was trying to capitalize on the recent trend. It's probably been talked about on Trending with Timory, that many hosts these days are loudly managing saliva live on air. You caught me. All right, okay. That was my, my uh, misguided attempt to be relevant here on Relevant Radio, apparently. Okay, let's get back to the email. Quote, just a kind suggestion to add... Audible saliva managing to the list of cough button items. Now, uh, there is actually, she's, I don't, I don't know whether this is a male or female, so I'll just, uh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say either way. So it's it's KP, I don't know what your real name is, but KP does know something that that this is a trick of the trade in, in Radio Land. I'm going to give you some inside baseball here. There is something called, there is something called the cough button. That That's a real thing. It's a little contraption and it connects to our gear and you press the button and it kills the mic. So if you do have to cough, if you do have to uh, take a drink or something like that, and and some of our hosts, I'm not going to say who, but some hosts have been caught eating Jimmy John sandwiches on air. All kinds of different things have happened, uh, but I'm not going to get into that right now, but there is a such thing as a cough button. And KP suggests this quote, just a kind suggestion to add audible saliva managing I'm going to be really self-conscious about this from now on. Just a kind suggestion to add audible saliva managing to the list of cough button items. For example, belching, uh, flatulence, <coughs> snee. Oh my! That wasn't me. That was Patrick. That was that was that was extreme. That was uncalled for, Patrick. My goodness! What a crazy sound effect. Anyways, belching, flatulence, sneezing, coughing, etc. Thank you. End of quote. Okay. Thank. No. First of all, thank you, KP. For that uh, public service, I, I didn't realize uh, that it was that bad. But uh, truthfully, my, my cough button is actually not working. This is actually a true story. It's n- it's not working. It's, it's malfunctioning. They're, they've sent me a new one, apparently. But I think Justin Trudeau intercepted it at the Canadian border. It hasn't shown up yet. But hopefully I'll get it. And I need to make a note to myself that that's got to be one of the functions on it. All right. Let's get back to the phones right now. Let's go to... Mary in San Francisco, California. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Thanks for calling.
0: Uh, I was just listening to one of your callers, and you were saying that, you know, there are saints around us, amongst us. And when I was um, about 16, I used to work at a priest's rectory. And uh, Pope John Paul II, before he became pope, just about a few months before he became pope, came to St. Anne's. And so in, in San Francisco, here, St. Anne's of the Sunset. So I served him his dinner and, and wow. uh, I, you know, I led him into the, the house, into the priest's house. And he was a friend of um, well, another Polish priest that was there. And, you know, you know, what is it, millions of people? I don't know how many more have, mm. have met him and have dorned at his feet. He came in and I just went, oh, hi, because I was supposed <laughs> to kneel down on one knee and then kiss his ring. But I was kind of clumsy. I'm still kind of clumsy now. I'm <laughs> just But I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. So he just came in the door and somebody dropped him off. I said, oh, hi. I said, I'll get Father Brisky for you if you want to sit in here. And you can sit in that room there by yourself. And I just closed the door on him. And somebody (laughs) said later that he probably thought, you know what? you you treated him just like how we would treat anybody. You know, I did not know he was going to be a saint now. But um, then also that night uh, we have a friend who was a monsignor who brought him out um, brought Pope John Paul II out touring, but he went up to my mom's house because everybody would go to my mom's house. She's from Ireland, and they rang her doorbell at ten o'clock at night with with Pope <laughs> John Paul II. But my mom thought it was one of our friends who comes really late. He goes, "I'm not opening that door," and and so now everybody wow. goes to the front door of my mom's house holy ground. But anyway, and then when I was <laughs> I'm pregnant with my first born, my first son, mm. I had a miscarriage the the year before. Mm. And Mother Teresa was over at St. Anne, and she was having a nun, a lot of the women were becoming nuns, mm-hmm. but we knew the in there, so he said we could come to the, to the Mass. So we were at Mass and Mon- uh, Mother Teresa got up to speak and she said, my Mass, my, my prayers today are for the unborn child, that the unborn child has no choice in this world. And mm. so we'd like to pray for the unborn child. And I was Amen. sitting right in front of the pulpit and I was like, oh man, I'm taking out my video, right? to so videotape. And she says, <laughs> but before this, reason why, she goes, there's too much materialistic things here in, in our world, like <laughs> cars and cameras. And I thought, oh shoot, I put the <laughs> camera back there. But after Mass, because we knew the sexton, he said, come on over to the sacristy after, so we're all going to meet Mother Teresa. And I was with my mom, and my mom's name is Teresa, spelt like Mother Teresa. And she talked to Mother Teresa first, and she said to Mother Teresa, my daughter's going to have a baby because I was about five months pregnant. Mm -hmm. My daughter's going to have a baby, and if she has a girl, she's going to name her Teresa after you. And Mother Teresa just looked at her and said, oh, and shook her hand. And then it was my turn. And there's a lot of things wow. I can't do in this world, but I cannot lie. Mary, so I said to Mother Teresa, Mary, if I have a daughter, I'm going to call her Teresa after my I gotta mother. i got to jump in,
1: Mary. Th- thank you. What an incredible call. I wanted to stay with that as long as I could. But I'll be back tomorrow. Thanks so much. Take it away, Michaela.
4: Thank you for listening to my daddy.